Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. Uh, today, my guest is Reverend Emilio Garofalo. Uh, did I get that right, Emilio? Yes, sir, you have practiced it many times. <laughs> you got it right. And I meant to say, yeah, you're a doctor as well. Is it Reverend Doctor or is it Dr. Reverend? What's the right way to, to say that? <laughs> oh, actually, people just call me Emilio or Pastor, so that's fine either way. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, well, Emilio, it's good to see you. Uh, for those who are listening, uh, Emilio and I used to work together at Pure Orchard Presbyterian Church in Ridgeland, Mississippi. Um, but Emilio is now in Brasilia, Brazil. Um, and Emilio, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about your family, what you're doing, um, and uh, we'll, we'll jump in. Hi, John. It's good to see you again. Love your brother and miss you. I remember with great joy in my heart those years I spent in, in Mississippi serving at Bear Orchard while studying at Reformed Theological Seminary. And I was there with uh, with wife, uh, and now we have a daughter. She's seven, and her name is Deborah. And we've been back in Brazil since 2011 when I completed my studies at RTS and started a church plant here in Brazil. And you and some folks from Pear Orchard came to help us and serve us in a mission trip. It was a remarkable time. We had a great time. Hmm. And I've been serving in this local church since then, the same church you visited since 2011. I'm a senior pastor, and that's what I do full-time, serving the church with the ministry of the word and sacraments and helping in several capacities in the local church. And besides that, I've been helping here and there with teaching, teach at a couple of seminaries as a visiting professor, and, and also um, trying to get my hands more and more into writing. I have released, two, published already two books, and the third one is coming out this month. It's a book on Ecclesiastes. So uh, we hope it will be useful to folks here. And I wish you could read it, my friend, but it's, <laughs> it's in Portuguese, sorry. <laughs> see, see, if I was as disciplined as you, I, I would know more Portuguese. Uh, but uh, yeah, I only had the, the crash course uh, in Portuguese uh, from Danilo yeah. uh, when we came to, to visit and yes. serve alongside you guys. So, uh, oh, I'm sure if you had... I'm sure if you had to come to Brazil to study, you would learn your Portuguese quite well. I'm quite sure. That's generous. Yes, maybe, maybe so. Um, and, and Amelia, too. I know you're. you're um, I don't know if it's on the board of the Gospel Coalition over in Brazil, but but talk a little bit about that as well. Sure. Yes, the the Gospel Coalition has chapters in several countries of the world that work in a similar way. It's a council of of pastors from different denominations and yet united by the gospel in a common declaration of faith. And I'm on the board here and the council of the TGC Brazil. It's been serving with them for a few years now, and it's it's been joyful and, and very good to serve alongside those brothers. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that, that's encouraging to hear. And I can just tell our listeners as well, uh, some who listen know that uh, RYM has released uh, some Bible studies that are free to download. I believe off the top of my head, I should know this, but I think we have six uh, right now. But uh, Emilio and some, some uh, other brothers over there are helping translate some of those. So uh, we yes. hope to have some in Portuguese and eventually Spanish as well. So just kind of letting our, our listeners know to be looking out for that. But we're excited about that opportunity. Um, you know, Amelia, as we begin to reflect on COVID and we talk a little bit about ministry and this 
uh, season of, of COVID. It, it is interesting how um, it really was this pandemic that allowed the two of us to catch back up again. Uh, you know, it's forced the world to slow down. And, you know, we, we were able to email each other and, and catch up and then eventually Zoom as everyone's Zooming now to, to be able to, to kind of uh, catch back up again and, and thought it'd be great to have you on the podcast just to talk about uh, what all is going on in, in your neck of the woods. And so I thought we would start there uh, by you just kind of describing the, the current culture of this pandemic in, in Brazil. Of course. Yes, indeed. One of the good sides of this is several things that we've been postponing forever. Mm -hmm. We finally got around our hands to do it. And one of them was catching up with old friends such as you and having conversations and seeing how things are going. And here in Brazil, I believe the situation is somewhat similar to the United States. And let me develop this a bit. Uh, first, we got hit about the same time that you guys got. And around March, end of March, that's when uh, local governments, federal governments, begin shutting down everything, canceling classes and public meetings of all sorts, about the same time that happened there. And from what I've been following online, it seems like our curve of, of the people who have it and of deaths and all that has been somewhat similar as well. Uh, yours is a larger population, so you have had more cases than we have, but proportionally, I think it's about the same. And something that happened there and here as well is a strong polarization regarding politics. Now, I know, I know it's, this is controversial stuff and really we want to talk about ministry, not politics. And yet I must say that's something very similar to what happened there in the US happened here. You have uh, our president is, is right side, is right, more conservative politics. And he has been uh, pushing forth some some medication, some treatments, just like there in your country, mm -hmm. and yet some some sectors of the media have resisted it, and and there is a big polarization, and people have become fighting over politics more than really dealing with the issue at times, mm -hmm. and 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 now that things are reopening since June, July, things begin reopening in different states more quickly than in other states, and yet. Pretty much everything is back now. Only only schools haven't returned yet, and, and they return next week. Mm. And, and yet there is still a lot of strong feelings and politics, and, and, and <laughs> it is somewhat of a mess it's still. People, families have begun fighting, and, and churches are divided over this, and, and different states, depending if the governor of the state supports the president, has taken some kind of measures. If the government is against the president, he's taking other kinds of measures and and people trying to survive and deal with this. In, it's It's been a mess and a circus sometimes. Mm. Yeah, no, no, it does sound similar for sure. And, and just following up about uh, the school system starting back, uh, is the option to do online schooling there for, for most students? Because I know, I mean, here, some people can opt out and just stay at home for the entire semester. Is that, is that what's going on over there as well? Yes, in, in schools, especially for children, uh, they're doing 50-50. So the, the, they have given the option, the parents who want to bring their kids back to school, up to 50% attendance, uh, no more than that. They want to keep some distancing in the classrooms and stuff. And the others will be able just to follow online if they prefer. 
So that's how this it will work into the end of the school year. And then they will see how it goes. If there is a vaccine and stuff that might change, but right now that's how it's going. Okay. Now restaurants and wearing masks out in public, what is, what is that like there? Well, uh, most public spaces such as restaurants and shopping malls and stuff like that, they are requiring you to wear a mask if you want to go. And while you walk, and of course, when you sit down to eat, you may take it off. But if you go up to go to the toilet, you have to put it on again. Mm-hmm. And and some people are fine with that. And okay, I'll just wear my mask and, and all that. Mine is right here. It has some camouflage. Oh, that's As nice. You can see, yeah, that's a good one. It's, it's Arctic camouflage <laughs> in case I get... In case snow, it's snow in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, all, all that snow we get here, all this blizzards <laughs> we get here. <laughs> Uh, but at, at churches, it is mandatory everywhere. And some people want to rebel against it and say, we're not going to wear them at all. And different states have different policies as well. But right now, it's mandatory everywhere. Uh, I imagine that in a few months, it will become optional and, and as needed. But most things have returned. I think only movie theaters are still closed. Uh, in our state here, the government just allowed more public gatherings and they they're talking about allowing attendance in sporting events again even though if a reduced capacity but to allow them uh, people to go again and stuff like that mm-hmm. so i think it's similar to what you guys are experiencing there it is and kind of as i was sharing with you pre-recording uh, there's something very strangely en- encouraging about how, how unifying this entire pandemic Yes, I mean, from the standpoint of not only, okay, are we going through the same things and we hear the entire world is going through this, even some of the rebellion, like you said, some people not wanting to wear the masks. And yeah. it's just this strangely unifying thing that, that's really brought the world together in many ways. I know there's division as well and disagreement and polarization yes. on the political spectrum, but, but something strangely unifying too. It's interesting. It shows that even though we may have very different cultures, and ethnic groups and linguistic structures, we are still humans with the same rebellions, the same kind of hearts. And we do have people who are complete deniers. They say there's no, no sickness at all. And you have people who are, who are complete stay at home. If, if you go there, go out, you are a, you're a murderer. And, and it's, it seems like every culture in the world is facing the same kinds of reactions which shows us our common humanity and our common rebelliousness and all that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And so kind of zooming in on you a little bit, I mean, something we've been asking everyone who's come on during this uh, season of the podcast is just kind of on a personal level, on a, you know, personal ministerial, I know those things kind of go together. Uh, What has the Lord been teaching you through this COVID season? Well, uh, one is to become more tech-wise. (laughs) <laughs> just having, just joking, having to learn. Suddenly, I had to broadcast to sermons and all that. And so I'm not very good at this, but I have learned some. But That's so true. More, so true, though. So many pastors. Yeah. I mean, there, there. I was talking to one the other day who's different lighting that they've had to use for some of their Bible studies, yes. and different cameras. I mean, it's yeah, the the tech aspect to this entire COVID I, I had to upgrade my internet my home internet connection to make it better because I wasn't <laughs> able to to do this live video streaming it was so bad I had to pay more just to get a better one and and here we go but you know a, a ministerial way I think it's it's interesting that uh, the Lord's goal in all this 
in all that he does is to make his people more like Christ. And we know that. Oh, what does God want with the pandemics? Oh, he wants to make us more like Christ. We know that. It, it's always like that. It, with or without pandemics, he wants that. There, there may be other goals, but that's one for sure. And I think it has helped me to, to think about this, that at the other side of this season, will I be more patient towards people, more long-suffering, more joyful? Will the fruit of the Spirit more, be more obvious in my own life or not? And I, when I think about ministry, it, uh, through this season, I've been preaching on First Thessalonians. And a verse that I find very interesting is on First Thessalonians 5.14. I'm reading from the ESV. Paul says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And this makes me remember that in every church group, we will always have a mix of people in different spiritual mental states. In among the Thessalonians, they have some people who are idle and who need to be admonished. Come on, wake up, move on, life's happening. There are some people who are faint-hearted, there are those who are weak. And different people require different ministry approaches. That's what Paul is telling them. And of course we know that. But to see this during the pandemics, it's been very interesting. I have had to deal with people who are hysterical and desperate and very, very fearful. Hmm. I have dealt, have had to deal with people who really are, who really think that they, if they step out of the home, now it's better, but back in May, June, that's how they were feeling, April. If I step out of home, my house, COVID will get me and I'll die within a few days. Hmm. And, and they were sure this would happen. They were not playing percentages. They were not caring for there is this medication, there is that medication, they're afraid. And I had to learn how to, even though I disagree with that person, how to encourage that person in that situation. And I have had people on the other side of the spectrum who are totally oblivious and say, I don't care, it's just, it's just a small cold, I don't care, I'm just go out, well, I want to wear a mask. If I get sick, if I get sick, if I die, I die. What do I care? And I had to deal with this kind of attitude as well. And say, well, you have to think about your grandmother who lives with you, and she's 90, and she has some issues, and maybe you shouldn't be all this, all this crazy and this. And, and yet, I have to remember that everybody thinks they're correct. Everybody thinks, uh, everybody thinks that anyone who is more concerned about COVID than they are is a hysterical person who should stop. And anyone who is less concerned than they are is an irresponsible person. So, and everybody thinks the same. <laughs> and to deal with this is hard, especially when we, it came time to re reopen the churches. We, we were allowed to, to reopen churches in early June. And some people were very enthusiastic and said, yes, let's do this. And some people were looking at us, leaders of the church, like, are you crazy? There's no way I'm going back to church before there is a vaccine and the entire Brazilian population has been has got their vaccines and and to deal with people has been hard but the lord has taught me this that as paul instructs the thessalonians i have to somewhat put aside my own political and medical and, and beliefs 
and help people where they are. It doesn't matter if they're overreacting. He's my, he's a lamb of Christ and I have to go and meet him where he is and help him sort through that. Different people, different things. It's been hard and tiresome. But. Oh yeah, no, and that's such a good word, Amelia. I mean, I mean, kind of zooming all the way out, as you said, by God's grace, hoping to be a more patient person with your interactions with others and then kind of zooming in to, to see, okay, yes, as you deal with the spectrum of humanity and where they fall on their views of, of COVID and trying to meet them where they are with, with the gospel and to encourage them, uh, whatever their beliefs, their thoughts, even when they might contradict your beliefs and thoughts, that's such a good word for us because we, we, so we've been, you know, talking about human nature and, you know, if you think of social media or turning on the news and we see the other people who are thinking about this uh, virus in, in a way that's different from our own, uh, we, we must be a humble people and, and not be so quick to just get angry at the others because they're not thinking about this thing or processing this thing exactly how we are. Um, so, yeah, that's some very good encouragement. Um, and I do have to say this, and I, I don't know if I'm going to embarrass you because this is a sidebar, but it's amazing for me to know your entire day has been in Portuguese. And now as soon as I get you on here, you're able to pick up pick up an English Bible, read from it, speak to me in English. Um, anyway, that's just humbling for me to, to see you do that. Well, brother, um, that's, to, tell, to tell you the truth, I was just discussing with the other pastor. He's right there. <laughs> How I was scared of this because it's been so long since I spoke English like this, but I don't do it every day and I'm still feeling rusty. It seems like <laughs> no, I'm going the flow here trying to get get it, the words it, out. It's great. No, and it's 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 humbling. Um no, uh, you're doing great. Uh, just to be able to pick up Thank an ESV and, and read from it. Okay. But let me know if I say something that makes no sense in English <laughs> sure. and I'll try to yeah. rephrase it. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, well, and listen, so as you're, you're talking about, you know, pastoring people, I'd love to hear a little bit more of just how you're trying to disciple your congregation uh, during this, you know, what has worked and what hasn't worked, even all the way back to from March until now, uh, you know, March when you weren't even able to, to leave your home for a time or everyone was quarantined to, to now. How, how have you been trying to disciple your congregation? Okay. Yeah, back in March and early April, everything had to be online. That Those early days were very scary and tiresome for everybody. Suddenly, you had to just go to the supermarkets and, uh, and get some supplies and, and go back home and, and and just pray everything, something like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Get everything clean and everybody was kind of freaking out. What's going on here? How bad is this going to be? And there were some... Some people who were saying, oh, 10 million people will die by May. And they said, what? And every, nobody knew exactly what's going on. They had all those models. Back then, we were doing everything online. And it was tiresome. And yet, people were so scared and, and hungry that everybody was joining in. And, and we began in our local church. We are three pastors. We would have devotional time every day. Uh, we were rotating. One of us would every day open a Zoom meeting like this and invite the, whole, the entire church and people would come and would pray and one of us would lead a quick 15 minutes Bible study. That's how we started. And everybody was onto it. Everybody was doing it and participating. And, and we were uh, doing worship this remotely as well. We weren't calling online worship. We were just recording uh, a message and giving uh, 
a liturgy for the families, an order of worship. And people were actually doing family worship with a video from the pastors. That's how we were called. And yet, as time went by, uh, May, it became clear to us that people were getting tired of all this Zooming and Instagram lives and, and all that. People were tired of it. It was getting too much. And we started to decrease. We began to do it every other day. We see numbers decreasing. That's when we were allowed to start opening again. And, and we've been trying this mixed model of uh, some live meetings, church, worship, we're doing together. But we're keeping some things online, such as youth meetings and uh, the elderly meetings, women's study meetings, men's. All, all this we're still doing online. The only thing we're doing uh, in person is Sunday worship. And it's been tiresome and challenging because it seems like we're working all the time. It seems like if I'm either at public worship or, or at an online Zoom meeting, we're doing everything, presbytery meetings, session meetings. I'm all the time sitting in front of a, a screen and, and that's tiresome. <laughs> and I sense that people are tired of it. People are tired. They, they don't want to open another Zoom link and, and, and watch this all, all day long. They're doing work like this. They're doing their fun time like this. And people are ready to go back live and less digital. Uh, many people, not everybody. So it's been challenging to find ways to, to keep track of people. Some folks have been faithfully all the time with us. and But some people kind of drifted away. Some people never showed up on a Zoom prayer meeting. And now that we're back open again, they are not coming. We make contact and say, hey, we miss you and stuff. Oh, I'll be back someday. And, and some of them say, oh, I think it's still too early. It's still too early to go to church. It's not safe yet. And then, then you look at their Instagram accounts. <laughs> and they're at the shopping mall. They're at the beach. They're at the public park. They're at the supermarket. They're at restaurants. They're everywhere. But they're not at church yet because it's too dangerous. So discipling people through all this, it's challenging. I think some people, sadly so, have really, uh, because of these two, three months with church closed, they, they've grown used to it, to a life where Sundays are for fun and going to the park and, and sleeping in and having a brunch or whatever. Yeah, now that again, very similar uh, to, to what's going on over here. And I've had many conversations with pastors over which which of our congregants are going to be still a part of our congregation when things get quote unquote back to normal when all the dust settles so yeah very very similar as well as the, the zoom fatigue and uh, you did mention youth ministry I'd love to hear a little bit about what the youth ministry of your church looks like right now and as you as a senior pastor um, trying to come alongside the, the youth worker at your church and maybe let me back up too and say, just kind of describe your youth ministry because, you know, I know uh, youth ministry over here is kind of middle school, high school, and yeah. sometimes that's seventh grade for some, sometimes it's sixth grade. But I think your youth ministry also included college students as well, that they were all kind of under yes. uh, youth ministry. So just describe it a little bit and then we'll get into youth sure. ministry. Yeah, I think the setup is different from the way y'all do it in the U.S. because usually the culture, the culture here is that uh, folks go to college while living at home. Uh, in the U.S., usually guy get 17, finishes high school, go somewhere to college. So you have 
youth ministry at their home church, and you have college ministries in the college towns, usually like that. Here in Brazil, no. Usually folks who are going to college, they stay in their city and many times still living at home. So our youth ministry at church usually is from 15 to 25, 28 years old. And it's all together. I know it's, I know it's a world apart being 15 <laughs> and being 25. And yet many of those folks are, are together. And sometimes we split between uh, teenagers, 12, 13 to 18, and 19 and up. So sometimes we split if we have enough people to, to address separate groups. In our local church here, we do not have a youth pastor per se. We, we are three pastors and we all take care of all, all groups. We, the way we, we like to work here is this. We don't have like a, a couple's pastor or a youth pastor. We are all together doing all sorts of things. And yet one of our seminary students, we, he is supervising his, his working more closely to them. And he's been, do, he's been doing a very good work. We, as I said, our youth meetings are still going through Zoom. We want to change that because we sense this fatigue you mentioned. And we have less and less people participating. And it seems like everything is opening now. Our, our church has a difficulty. We don't have a church building. We, we meet in a rented room that we only use on the Lord's Day. So all other meetings have to be in people's homes. And that's why we haven't come back to that yet, because we don't want to put this pressure on people to, to receive a whole group in their home. Some people would be scared of it and, and wouldn't be comfortable with it. So we're trying to, to think of ways, perhaps meeting in public parks or, or something like this, that we can just go and, and have a season of worship, singing, and, and lecturing. But we've been trying to keep tabs on the folks, and either through online meetings one by one, one of the pastors has been doing a lot of it, just scheduling meetings with every one of the youth and 15 minutes, quick thing, but to talk a little and pray and all that. And yet people are coming back to life as normal. So we're hoping to, to help them all. <laughs> it's interesting just to hear um, how all three of you are, are just spread out across the congregation that you're not designated to any certain you know demographic in the church I can see a lot of advantage to that uh, just yeah. uh, to, to be able to obviously be more connected to the entire body uh, in your congregation so that's that's interesting to hear um, yeah. uh, Amelia is you were you about to say something did I cut you off no, no. Just, just going to tell you that uh, it's not every church that does like this some churches do have, Youth ministry, young couples ministry, and all that. It's our setup here, and we like it. We think it works mm -hmm. well. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, you talked just a little bit ago um, how you know some people are frightened to come to church or at least communicating that, but then you see them at the beach or at the mall or whatever. Um, again, that's common that that many uh, would echo that for sure. Um, what have been some of those concerning trends that you've seen in the church during this season? I mean, that, of course, is one of them, and we could go down that path more, but yeah. I'd love to hear you just speak to that a bit. Yeah, I think some people have really made this transi transition towards online church, and they really took it to heart. For many people, it was a, a necessary evil, let's say. Oh, we're doing online, but it's only for a while. We'll put up with it, but we know very soon we'll be together again and it will be back to life. And so people have endured it. But I do sense that some people have really loved it. 
the idea that they can on Sunday morning just sleep in and perhaps he'll go to a go run in the, go jog or whatever or go to the beach or or go to a restaurant to have a late brunch and then sometime during the day he'll just uh, log into a, a YouTube account and, and watch a recorded worship from somewhere and it, it doesn't even have to be his local church it can be whatever church he wants to find he'll watch that he'll feel like he has worshiped he has paid his due Oh, I, I, I worshiped today. I, I, I watched the whole worship service while I was cycling and whatever he was doing. <laughs> and and, and I, I'm afraid this has come as a result of a, a low view of the local body. Many people who are used to thinking of church as something that they go to watch and not of church as a community I'm a part of and an essential part of a body. And if I don't go anymore, people will suffer my absence. Many people never thought, never were used to thinking like this. And now that they have an online option, that they don't have to mess with different people and with changing and putting up a Sunday's best clothing and just go. Some people just loved it. And, and sadly, we have provided them with the tools to do that. And I'm afraid some people never come back. They just live on like this and you know, whenever they and, and we, we give them some churches even give them the sacraments this way so I don't even leave the church for that and of course they're missing a lot they're missing on church fellowship they're missing on shepherding they're missing on word and sacraments with the local body and, and they're missing on service every Christian is called to serve and they don't serve very much in this way yeah no that that is a troubling trend for sure. And oftentimes those who might go down that path and think, Oh, you know, it's no big deal. I was able to see the service and still, you know, was ministered to by that. Um, they, they are often missing the fact that, you know, they're not ministering to me just by their presence in the local church yes. that day to, to be able to, you know, I was going to say shake their hand, but you know, bump fists or bump elbows and yeah. shaking yeah. hands as much anymore, but just seeing people physically present there and, and, you know, hearing them singing alongside you again, if we're able to sing wherever our, our context is, yes. um, that, yeah, we are part of a body and that that makes a huge impact. Uh, yeah. So the, there, are, there are good reasons that the Lord has, Made, made us a body and has asked us to assemble for worship. It's not just that we're doing it at the same time. It's that we're seeing each other and we're hearing each other. And when we, we break bread and drink wine, I can look across the room and I see all these people here. We're very different in many ways. And yet we share this blood. And yet we share this body. Mm-hmm. We are different, but we're together. And, and as a minister, as you mentioned, it's horrible to preach to a screen. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. I do it because it has to it has to be done. But I hate it. I, I want to look at people's faces. I want to see eyes. I want people to follow with face expressions. And if the masks that doesn't help much, I understand. <laughs> but but uh, yes, they're not ministering to us by not being there. They're, we are missing on their presence and their fellowship and their voices. If everybody's just each in his home, just singing instead of all together, it, it hurts. It, it lessens the experience a lot. Yes. Yeah. And I know there's been so much 
written and discussed on, on blogs and on other podcasts as well, but it is going to be something interesting to see how the church handles, you know, video services because yes, they are necessary right now in many ways. They can yeah. minister. I mean, there are those who are shut in and are able to, to see, you know, streaming service, which is great. But if um, all of the restrictions begin to, you know, be relaxed and we're able to return to normal, but people are, are utilizing it kind of in the negative ways, like you said, to go for a jog and be listening to the service and things like that. Um, it's going to be an issue that church leadership and and denominations and congregations are just going to have to think through how to, how to handle this issue if half yeah. of the congregation is now just streaming um, online yeah. and not, not showing up. Yeah, let's see. Our, our decision thus far is Right now, we have to stream the, the service because we don't have enough space to, to have everybody in. We actually moved to do to we're having two morning services, so it can fit in more people. Just they're exactly the same, but we we already decided as soon as things get more back to normal and we're able to get everybody in, we'll stop streaming. We do not want to give this this option as a as a perennial thing. We want it to be temporary, and and people want to listen to our preaching, people want to be with us, they'll have to come. We'll take care of them. We don't know how long we'll keep it this way, but but we're not changing to a permanent streaming thing. It's It's been decided early on. We'll do it, but we'll stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's one of the many issues that have come to the sur- surface just during this this season. So many things. I mean, just from parenting to your kids in the home with screens, and then now congregational issues and uh, church leadership issues that have just kind of come to the surface during the, this season uh, that we have to continue to wrestle with and ask for God's wisdom on. And I wanted to to hear some of those concerning trends, but then also get into some encouraging trends that you've seen as well. And so th- throughout the season. And as we said, there's been uh, silver linings all around. And I always want to say that with a caveat to say I'm not trying to minimize the severity of this issue by any means, but there have been many encouragements. So so what are some encouraging trends you've seen in in your church as well as just the the broader church as well? That's a good thing. Several encouraging things, for example, early on, our deacons were all over uh, caring for people in ways that were very interesting such as uh, if you are in a risk group because of your age or whatever, we'll do everything for you. We'll, we'll go to the grocery store. We'll do whatever needed to help you. So people have been very mindful of of those who are in a, in a more fragile situation and who need more care. And we have been seeing all, all sorts of movements towards thinking about people in risk at risk. Other things that have encouraged me is how people have been discussing some theological matters that people either took for granted or they didn't care at all about them. For example, the issue of the Lord's Supper. Mm. Very, very early on, people begin discussing, are we allowed to have the Lord's Supper uh, online? The minister in his home will break bread. Everybody just go grab a piece of bread and, and bring <laughs> it and eat it. Does it make sense? theological or not, that people have begun having this discussion and that has forced them to look into the theology of the sacraments more broadly. I, I, I talked to many pastors about this. We pastors wrote articles considering this. For example, it's, it seems to me that uh, in denominations that have a more memorial view of the Lord's Supper, the idea of doing online supper has been more easily accepted. It's just a memorial. Why not? 
But for churches such as the Reformed tradition that have a, a view of a spiritual presence of Christ attached to the physical presence of the people, people have been more reluctant to move towards this because we understand that the, the promises of a spiritual presence are connected to the physical presence. So, so it's been interesting to see people sorting through this. And it, I love to see how eager people were to go back to the Lord's Supper. Some people who, who always took it for granted. Oh, it's nice. Some sometimes a month we, we eat a piece of bread and drink some wine. That's mm -hmm. fine. But all those people have begun writing to me and said, Pastor, I can't wait to go back to church and just break bread with everybody. So it seems like people have begin some people, not everybody, begin valuing more some of the things they always took for granted, such as the the freedom to gather for worship. And we know that many of our brethren throughout history and in some parts of the world are not allowed. They do not have such freedom. Mm -hmm. and, and this freedom was taken from us for a while. And it, it has given some people more perspective about what is involved in what a privilege it is to Sunday morning, just get up, get my Bible and go meet my brethren. Mm, now that, that's so encouraging to hear. And, and really you got out of just... Um taking for granted so much of what we have that uh, the Lord has has taken this way. I, I can remember uh, a quote I heard one time that said, deprivation is the only way to truly appreciate anything. Uh, that, that there's a sense in which once something is taken from us, we then realize how valuable it is. And so for just gathering together as uh, just a congregation, that being removed, the, the Lord's Supper. Yes. But that is encouraging to, to hear as, you know, so many have written on the Lord's Supper now and so many are discussing it, that that has definitely gone into the congregations and, and people really studying and thinking and having discussions they probably never would have had had this not yes. have happened. So, yeah, very encouraging to hear that for sure. Oh, something um, that is, was very encouraging to just, uh, just remember is the children. Oh, the children have been crazy to go back to worship. I have had reports from several parents. My, my child cannot wait to go back to church. They miss it. They miss their friends. They miss running around the building after the <laughs> service. They, they miss it. They, they look at the, the streaming online and they say, I don't want to be watching. I want to be there. And it's been very nice to see how many children have said that they missed being with us. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you said that because I had forgotten early on when, when all of this, uh, it might have been March, April, um, my four-year-old just made the statement one, one time, I, I miss church. I miss going to church. And it's interesting that, you know, many of us would have said, I think prior to this, you know, what is a four-year-old getting out of weekly, you know, Lord's Day worship? But they they definitely that routine that pattern all of it is resonating you know in their young heart and mind and um, it's just a testament to the importance of the gathering together weekly um, so now that that's a, a definite encouragement yes. it's a formative habit hmm. it it really is even if they're not listening to much of the sermon they are getting trained and their hearts miss it yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Amelia, I know we're wrapping this up. Do you have any kind of closing word or, or counsel uh, to those who are in ministry that are listening uh, to this podcast? You see, uh, something that has become very clear to me as a pastor is that we have all the tools necessary to minister, to shepherd God's people. 
we may need to add some lighting in this or, or whatever. But, but what's necessary during a pandemic is ministry of the word. And that's what is necessary in times of famine, in times of war, in times of persecution, in times of peace. Whatever season the Lord makes his church go through, he has given us the tool to address, to live, and to, and to grow during this. And, and I think in many, many ways, churches that were all about the, their fantastic building or their amazing uh, events, they have, gone, they have to look and say, well, we don't have that anymore. But we still have God's word. We still have preaching and teaching, even though it's through Zoom or whatever. And, and I think it's encouraging to, to all the brothers who serve in ministry to see that God has equipped us. God has given us what we need to do if people in whatever situation might come. Yeah, that, that's a good place to end, Emilio. It's been great getting to catch up, getting to, to see your face as much as we uh, can get frustrated at Zoom. It's nice to be able to connect with somebody all the way down in, in Brazil. Uh, so Yes, that's a silver lining as well. Yeah, absolutely. Emilio, thanks again for, for taking the time to come on today and to share all, all that the Lord has been teaching you through this. My pleasure, John. I thank you for inviting me and I'm, help, I'm happy to help. Yeah, I hope to have you back on one of these days soon. Sure, let's do it. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without pay. For the king has opened his banquet hall to the beggar, the outcast. Yeah.